celebrating 10 years of podcasting and online ministry, you are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. Now join your hosts, Dr. Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. Coming to you from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina, and Ronan, Montana, to the world via the World Wide Web. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. Uh, this is yours truly, Brian Chilton, joined alongside the cowboy apologist, Curtis Evelo, coming to you tonight from his church at Cornerstone, at Cornerstone Church. Is it Cornerstone Church? Am I saying it right? Cornerstone Church. Okay, we'll make sure I got that right. Uh, Cornerstone Church in St. Ignatius, Montana. So we are so thankful to be with you here tonight. Uh, hope you receive a blessing. Want to let you know, just real quickly, final edits are now being put on uh, conversations about heaven. I went through, and it's amazing. You know, I, I edited. I had two other people help me edit it and went through it. Lo and behold... I found all kinds of things I didn't find on the first reading. So the editor suggested, you know, uh, go through it. The publisher suggested, I mean, uh, go through it a couple times. So I'm on the second go. And so after this one, it should be ready to roll. So and shipped out to uh, Whiff and Stock and and ready to be published, hopefully here within the next month or two. So excited about that. As I've been looking through this, looking through the conversations I had with uh, Sandy Riddle. She's a lady that I mentioned in this book. Um, she was a blessing to me and many others there in Yakin County in North Carolina. Uh, I, I hope and pray that you receive a blessing reading this book and talking about the conversations we had about heaven. And I really believe that the conversation, the, the questions she had are really similar to the questions that a lot of people have. And so I think you'll receive a blessing uh, from that book. So we're going to get into this. We're starting a brand new theology series today, Theology Proper which means uh, the study of God. This is our second uh, uh, second uh, section talking about God himself. And so uh, we're going to jump right into this tonight. We're talking about can we know God exists? And leading us into this discussion is, again, the cowboy apologist himself, the one and only Curtis Everlow. Yeah, I was going to try to say, hey, I'm at my secret location. <laughs> <laughs> my bat cave. <laughs> Not so secret now. So. Not so secret. I, unfortunately, I, I wouldn't make a good Batman or Robin, would I? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, Brian, let's just jump into that. Uh, um, what are the two ways that we can know that God exists? Well, so there, we're going to have a special podcast on, and especially as we go into uh, season Seven. We're going to talk about bibliology. You got a huge series coming up in, in on that very very first season. I mean, very first section of season seven. Uh, but there's two things that we uh, talk about when we talk about revelation. We talk about the knowledge of God, and that's uh, general revelation, or otherwise called natural theology, and specific revelation. And so. Um, and again, we'll go into more detail tell on these uh, issues in Season 7, but nonetheless, it's important to gain at least a cursory understanding of these two forms of revelation now. So uh, 
general revelation, again, is sometimes called natural theology, is the information, the knowledge we can know about God uh, from creation itself. Uh, special revelation, however, is the specific information that God reveals about himself, and this information is communicated by God to, to humanity, and we especially see this in the written Word of God, uh, which is the Bible. Uh, we can know certain things about God from creation, but we understand a lot more about the nature of God and the specific details of God uh, from His own special revelation. So really, when we talk about the knowledge of God, we really talk about these two aspects, natural knowledge or general knowledge, knowledge is available to everyone, and then specific revelation, specific knowledge, that knowledge that God reveals about himself. So we could call that, um, what we've heard in the past is is it called uh, God revealed himself in the two books, um, yeah. the book of, of natural, the nature, and, and the things we see around us, correct? Absolutely, yeah, and so that would be that... Would be that um, that that natural and we call it natural theology natural knowledge because again it is a lot of these things thomas aquinas mentions this a lot of these things are uh, those aspects of god that are revealed you know in fact to the world um because of of the evidence of creation and that's why paul even tells us in romans chapter one that that everyone's without excuse uh everyone has this knowledge at their disposal yeah, Romans one. Oof, boy, that thing, that whole first, the first part of that really pops off in your head when you hear that. Absolutely. So when we say uh, revelation, uh, what exactly are we meaning there? Well, revel, the term revelation comes from the word apocalypsis or apocalypsis. Uh, it's the same word used for uh, the revelation. In the last book of the Bible, it means to reveal some previous information not formally known. It means to unveil something. It's almost like a, there was a covering that covered up information, and you peel back the veil. Uh, and and so that's kind of what's meant by uh, natural natural or or that uh, revelation. That's what it essentially means. So then, what can be known about God by natural revelation then so by natural revelation uh, natural revelation can teach us about some of god's what's called non-communicative attributes and these are attributes that he doesn't really share with uh, other individuals or other beings uh, we, we talk here about the aspects of the omnis the om the language of the omnis omnipotence meaning all-powerful, omnipresence, that he is everywhere at all times, his omniscience, his omniscient knowledge, the uh, the fact that he knows everything there is to know. Um, and so we, we, we can know this information uh, by the... Um, by by nature, and, and a lot of people will ask, well, how do we know that? How can we know that? Well, a lot of it has to do with, if you think about the fact that uh, um, you have, um, I'm sorry, I had a little problem here. <laughs> can you hear me still? Yep. Okay. Folks, we're having a little technical difficulty here tonight, and so uh, that's one of the problems here. We've been having a lot of technical difficulties as we've been trying to get this thing going. Am I on mute again? Yeah, 
Nope. Okay. Just fine. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Wanted to make sure. Okay. But anyhow, uh, th- this information is limited. For instance, a person can, uh, we can know by looking at nature that there has to be something that is beyond the scope of the natural world. So God would be known to be something that would be beyond the scope of creation because, and we'll talk about this as we go through the season, like the cosmological argument, the the, the origins of, of the nature, the origins of the creation itself. There has to be something beyond the scope of this world that can verify or account for uh, the existence of all that, it, of all that is. And um, a lot of that... We can know from the natural world that God must have all knowledge to be able to bring everything into existence. He must have power greater than the universe uh, for him to be able to bring everything into existence as he does. And because he's not contained or confined within creation, he must be beyond the scope of that creation. So from those things alone, we can already uh, know certain things about God just simply by creation itself. Uh, But can we know by that information that God is triune, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Can we know by that information that uh, about God's plan of salvation found in Christ? Well, the answer to that is no. Uh, We have to have more information uh, about God than what we can find in uh, natural revelation. So that's why you know, natural theology is very important. This information is available to everybody. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have so many different belief systems and we have so many different uh, ideologies in the world because this this knowledge about God is available to everybody. I mean, we can clearly see, as Paul tells us, that there has to be a God uh, to account for everything that exists. But again, to know the more personal aspects of God, uh, that would require... A more intimate knowledge, and that's why that communication from God is so important. When we talk about Scripture, we talk about you know God communes with us. This is a big topic of debate, which it really shouldn't be. It hasn't been a debatable except for the past you know several centuries. But the idea that God still communicates uh, with us, I think He does. I think there's no doubt in my mind that God still communicates with us. And we'll talk about that in one of the later podcasts before we wrap up this season. But uh, that personal information about God, he reveals to us in other ways. Yeah, I just was thinking about that, Brian, when you were just talking. There, in other cultures and other, you could say, religions and other um, connections, um, you can tell. How about this? In other religions that you see around the world, in other cultures that you see around the world, they all have some aspect that they recognize uh, about God, about uh, about an Almighty or an All Powerful. Um, they so there's some truth there that they have, right? But they don't have the full understanding of it because they don't have the revelation. The, the written revelation of God. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there's there's a book called Eternity in Their Hearts where uh, some missiologists, mm-hmm. and when we say missiologists, we're talking about people who've done mission work in, in other lands. 
there's there's been a similar traits, and he calls it the light of God, if you want to call it that, that's found in different cultures. I mean, there's similarities that's even been found in, in various uh, other belief systems, quite honestly. There's, there's common links there. And so uh, he argues that the light of revelation may be different uh, according to the amount of information about God that's been revealed. Um, but but still, there is that common knowledge. I mean, and you're right, we need that specific revelation of God to, mo- to know more of, of the detailed nuances about who God is. But if you think about it, it's like with any relationship. Um, you can know, well, for instance, uh, you know, Curtis, you and I met each other online, and uh, and we, we right. met through some right. common acquaintances. And so I knew there was a Curtis Evelo, and you knew there was a Brian Chilton, but we really didn't get a chance to know one another in a, on a more personal basis until we started developing a friendship and, and really doing this adventure of podcasting. And so in many ways, it's the same way with God. We can know certain things about God, but we've got to have that personal relationship to know that de- those deeper aspects of who God is and uh, about what God is doing. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, I, I, that's 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 uh, for sure. That's a good way to put it, Brian. Well, thank you, sir. So, in uh, in his four volume uh, systematic theology, Norm Geisler spoke about certain uh, preconditions. What are some of these preconditions that he mentioned that needs to be addressed? Uh, when we when we're speaking about the knowledge of God, then so he calls this part the prolegomena. That's the information before the information. <laughs> it's the word before the word. And there are certain preconditions. There are certain things we have to understand that we may have certain biases, and we may have certain things that may hinder our understanding about who God is and about certain things pertaining to God. And by the way, I just I have the in, uh, his systematic theology in one volume, in book form, but I went ahead and broke down and got it on Lagos. And the wonderful thing about this is there, it seems like there's a little more information in these, in these versions, but yet also with my aging eyes, I can blow the information up and, and can actually see it a lot better than what I could the fine print. But... Um, but he talks about the metaphysical uh, precondition, uh, the, the, the fact that you have to look at, uh, and this is talking about those things that are beyond the physical. Um, and and we'll, we'll look a little bit more in, these, in the detail of different worldviews here in just a few moments. Um, but this is actually part of our metaphysics. Do we believe there can be a God? Do we believe, and if we do, is God... Uh, is God the universe? That's a popular saying today. Uh, instead of saying God has a way, God has a plan, many people will say, well, the universe has a plan. Well, what does that mean? Do you mean the universe is God? You know, well, what is meant by that? And so there are certain different belief systems people have, and we'll go into that actually on today's podcast as well. So there's the metaphysical precondition. There's also the aspect of miracles. Um, do miracles happen? Uh, are we open to the possibility of miracles? What about the whole issue of revelation? 
do we believe that God communicates with humanity? And do we believe that God still communicates with people even today? This this is a precondition, not only uh, the fact that we have good reasons for believing that uh, God speaks to us, but there are biases that people have. Some people say, well, it's impossible for God to speak to us. Well, that's going to hinder the way you view God and the way you view some of these things. Um, yeah. The whole aspect of logic. Uh, do we believe in the nature of truth? You know, there's a common saying that um, it's a philosophical question that is enough to drive you crazy. <laughs> one of those things, a lot of those things are. Uh, if a tree falls in the wilderness and no one's there to hear it, does it still make a sound? That's a question well, yeah. people ask. I would say that, yeah, I would say like you, Curtis, yeah, because we understand <laughs> that that sounds are, are, are come from sound waves, and regardless of whether there are ears there to detect the sound waves or not, those sound waves still go out from the crashing mm-hmm. of the tree. But, you know, your whole aspect of truth, does it exist, does it not, that's going to impact how you view certain things about God. Um, and there's other things he mentions. I won't get into these, the epistemological condition, precondition, the semantical precondition, the linguistic precondition, hermeneutical precondition. Here is uh, where he talks a little bit more about uh, do we believe that, uh, we'll talk about this next season, do we believe that words have meaning and value? Uh, when we read something, do we try to, to gather what the person's saying or do we try to interject what we think more than what the person's saying. And that's very important when it comes to reading Scripture. Are we being transformed by God, or are we trying to transform God into to what we want Him to be? So those are important things to uh, discuss. Historical, the historical precondition, are we open to the validity of history, and then the whole methodological precondition. This gets into some, some aspects of um, apologetics about how do you do it? How do you, how do you um, you know do you start with God and then move to the gospel, or do you start at the cross and then come out from there? And there's all these different things that are discussed, and we really that's beyond the scope of what we're talking about tonight. But just the fact that there are these preconditions, and that quite honestly, all of us have bias. All of us are, are none of us are immune to bias, and just observing these things and how they can pan out. And impact our understanding of who God is is, I think, valuable. And I, that's why I would recommend Norm Geisler's systematic theology. He goes into he goes in some avenues that a lot of theologians don't. Hmm. So it's good. What's it? So if it's a one volume book that you got, but is it is there a bigger one that's uh, or a bigger volume set uh, that's on that's written, or is it all on Logos from there? Yeah, there is actually when he first wrote it. There's a four volume uh, series that he wrote, the the Prince Bigger, and I'm not so sure because I asked on on Facebook uh, if if there was a difference. Most people said they didn't think, and for the large part, there probably isn't a huge difference. But it does seem like I do. It does seem like there are a few things here and there that may be added to the four volume set that may not necessarily be in the one volume set, but. Uh, mm. If nothing else, it's beneficial because it'll it'll save your eyes, <laughs> <laughs> or at least mine. <laughs> so both of you, yeah, yeah. I just had my my uh, my eye appointment yesterday and got 
new prescription for contacts, so we'll see how this works. <laughs> yeah, my, when I go to the eye doctor, my eyes are so bad they call me special. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good way. <laughs> so both you and Geisler wrote about the various worldviews uh, that exist in the world today. Could you go over what those worldviews are and that and what they pertain to um, and how they pertain to the existence of God? Absolutely. You know, Geisler, he wrote about it in his Systematic Theology. I actually uh, mm-hmm. put this in the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, and then I've, I've put right. some stuff on the website about this too. Uh, so there are different worldviews out there, and this this is how people view God or, or whether they believe in God. And so starting from... Uh, the most negative to the to uh, the positive. So, uh, as it pertains to belief in God, atheism comes from two Greek words: theos, meaning God. The a is the negation of that. So, a theos, atheism, uh, means that uh, essentially means the person doesn't believe in the existence of God. Uh, so, uh, the atheist will say that they do not believe that there is a God. Now, agnosticism comes from two different uh, terms. The A or the A still means no, and agnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, means knowledge. Here, the agnostic is saying they claim no knowledge. They say they don't know. that. Now, here's the important distinction we need to make. A lot of t- If a person says they're agnostic, that doesn't mean that they don't believe in God. It means that they're neutral at the time. So if they're if they're saying they're agnostic, they just they they're just saying I don't know. There could be, or there may not be. Um, so Bart Ehrman, uh, he he is uh, what he calls an atheist leaning agnostic. Uh, he he he's go he's leans into the direction of atheism, but he still claims to be an agnostic because he's open to the possibility that there may very well be a god. So it's that's important an important distinction that needs to be made between those who are atheists and those who are agnostics. Those who are atheists say they absolutely don't believe in God, and those who are agnostics say they just don't know. And so I dare say most atheists that I've met are really more along the lines of agnostic. Hmm. Yeah, I have heard something the other day and kind of made me just shake my head. It's like what? I was listening to a podcast and the guy was talking about being a uh, an atheist apologist, so a atheist or an atheist evangelist. So he's evangelizing people out of religion and mm-hmm. into atheism. I have to think to myself that that doesn't that doesn't even make sense. Why why would you why does that even matter? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. For some, for some people, uh, for those, for, for some individuals, and, and I dare say a lot of people, not all, but a lot of people, have been hurt uh, by religious communities, and they think they have freedom, not being restrained by those communities, and so they think in their mind they're freeing people from a form of oppression that they see, and that's and that's where they're coming from. Uh, gotcha. But quite honestly, I think the ultimate freedom we can find is in Christ. 
uh, in that relationship we have with Christ. And understand, there's no Christian that's going to be perfect. There's no church that's going to be perfect. And you can't go to church or you can't belong to a, a community of faith and, ex- and, and expect everybody there to be perfect. Churches are like hospitals. <laughs> Christ didn't come to to save the person who's already perfect. He came to save those who are sick. And who is the sick? All of us are. And so um, we have to understand that. I mean, we Christians are works in progress. Uh, we're, we're, we're not where we need to be. None of us are. I know I'm not, but praise God, we're not where we used to be. And so that's yeah. the thing we need to remember uh, there as well. And so that's why some people are involved in that atheistic evangelism. But as we move on from atheism and agnosticism, we move to a belief system called pantheism. And this is the belief that the universe is God. Um, it, it, some people believe that, uh, well, and this is kind of found more in some Buddhist philosophies, that uh, the, the everything in the universe is alive and, and is conscious and... Um, and, and it's really all of it's God. The universe is God, so to speak. So that's pantheism. Panentheism, uh, pan meaning all, in meaning in, theos meaning God. Panentheism is the belief that God is in everything. Now, we as Christians believe that, that the presence of God is everywhere, but we also hold that there's a distinction between God and the universe. There's a there's a distinction. He is in everything. Uh, he is everywhere, but there is a distinction. It doesn't mean that a rock is necessarily the, the holy embodiment of God. Uh, so that's panentheism. Polytheism is the belief in many gods and goddesses. Deism is, a, is another worldview. This is a belief in that that God created everything from... from um, from the beginning, he created everything. He's, it's like a it's like a top. He spun it. It's spinning, and he's hands off. Uh, so deists are largely largely don't believe in miracles. They believe that God started everything. There may be a final judgment. There'll probably be a heaven and hell. But God just started everything. But he doesn't involve himself in our lives. So he's kind of like I call this the deadbeat dad. Uh, worldview. Uh, it's like God, God started everything, but he's he's not interested in being involved, so he's just hands off. And then theism, <laughs> theism is coming from the word theos, meaning God, is the belief that an immaterial God created all material in the universe from nothing. And that is that God started it all, that there is a God, he created everything from nothing, the universe is different than God, and there is that distinction there as well. So um, those are essentially the major worldviews that we find uh, when it comes to um, the world. I mean, I think I think about every worldview you find, it could be found in one of those, one of those uh, worldviews that we just mentioned. So then what is the what is the extent of our knowledge about God? So none of us can think that we can ever know everything there is to know about God. And so I I was talking I've, I've spoken with people many times before. I, by the grace of God I finished my PhD actually when season 6 just started back in September. And I've, I told people before, and I really mean it, that the thing I learned the most in that program 
is about is is the the knowledge of how much I don't know, and and um, <laughs> good to see Philip. Philip says just been able to jump in. Good to see y'all. Good to see you too, brother Philip. Uh, but but the, but the, that the, the reality is is that uh, we can know certain things about God. We can know certain things that God has revealed about Himself. But we can't know everything about God because if we could, we would be God. Now, our Sunday school teacher, Paul McGraw, great man of God and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful Sunday school teacher, he's mentioned this verse before, and I want to read it to you this, this afternoon. It's Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. It says, The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the re- revealed things belong to us and our children forever, so that we may follow all the words of this law. And what that means is that there are certain things about God that we're never going to know. I believe that in heaven we're going to spend an eternity learning more and more about God. Um, I really do. I believe each and every day is going to be better than the day before. And I think that the longer we're in heaven, the more we're going to learn about God. But the reality is, is I don't know that we'll ever know everything about God because when it comes to the study of God, when you when you see uh, one door, you, know, you you enter into the door, a relationship with Christ, then you see three more doors. You open one of those doors, and that leads to ten more doors. You go through one of those ten doors, it leads to twenty doors, and then forty, and then sixty, and then eighty. It, it's like it's like a iceberg. Uh, you know, I think we see the tip of the iceberg, the the, the part that's visible. Is, is are those aspects about God that He's revealed and we can know by natural theology, but you look underneath the water. There's this whole vast mountain of glacier that lies beneath the surface, and I think that's the way it is about God. God is just so vast and so incredible that uh, there's always going to be some mystery to who He is and to certain aspects of of the divine. Uh, and and that instead of I mean I that used to bother me when I when I thought about things like that, mm-hmm. but the more right. I go along, the more comfort I find in that because I realize that God's God and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and then and then you think of the scripture where he's where he says that the whole universe rests in His hand, the whole world. Yes, absolutely. Those kind of things. I mean, and, and He has cast our our iniquities as far as from the east is from the west absolutely and th- those those kind of scriptures really bring the vastness of who god is and what he is and weren't you um weren't you talking a while back about um the dimensions um of god or the dimensions that we know of yeah, so like we like we the three or four dimension, and then he, then you said it gets into some pretty wild stuff. Yeah, me, most uh, cosmologists believe that they're fairly certain that there are at least eleven eleven dimensions to the universe, um, with the possibility <laughs> of of there being as many as twenty eight. Holy. <laughs> but the problem is, is once you get to the tenth and eleventh dimension. Our minds just cannot. It, we just can't wrap our minds around it. it. It gets to the level that it's beyond all rationality. And if there are twenty-eight dimensions, God would even be omnidimensional. There's another omni that mean, which means that He would exist in every dimension and beyond because He can't be even contained by dimension. 
So you're talking about a God who just blows everything out of the water. Just when we think we understand a little bit about God, we, we see this huge cavern open up and see th- these wellsprings of knowledge and, and uh, depth that just are just awesome to really fathom. Mm. There's even some people... There's even some people who believe that uh, I, I I don't have I don't have an opinion on this because I don't know enough about it. But there's some people who believe that uh, that all of reality may be a computer simulation, and if it is a computer simulation, it would have all had to been within the mind of God Himself. <laughs> I mean, so that's getting into some weird Twilight Zone material there. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's getting into some yeah. really deep things there. But, I mean, could it be? I mean, it's possible. But, I mean, even reality itself is based upon God. So there's just, mm-hmm. there's no there's no way we could that's ever right. know everything about God. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you go. Could we ever know any everything about God? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, as we close out uh, Season 6, we'll be discussing different arguments of God's existence. So, this next couple of series episodes are going to be pretty good. I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm truly excited. These are are some of my favorite things to discuss, you know? Absolutely. Um, So, what are some of the arguments um, that we'll be discussing? Uh, the end. Just hitting a few highlights here. Uh, the cosmological argument. Uh, we've got a book coming out uh, next year uh, with the whole Bellator Christie team. This is actually going to be the part that, that I'm going to be covering in the book, the cosmological argument. And it, we, we've actually touched on it a little bit tonight, but the cosmological or- argument is talking about the origins and uh, going back to the classic Kalam cosmological argument, which says that uh, everything that begins, uh, everything that begins has has a cause. The universe had a beginning, therefore the universe had a cause. And the the best explanation for the cause of the universe would be God Himself. And um, there are so many other things that, that are related to that that could be drawn in that are just mind-boggling. So the cosmological argument, that's actually what we're going to talk about coming up next week. Uh, the ontological argument, this is an argument that's not given enough weight, I don't think, in our time. Uh, I think that in many ways, if, if you think about it, the ontological argument can be the argument from necessity. Uh, it gets to a point where it's absolutely necessary that God exists. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about Anselm Canterbury and, uh, and his argument, and we'll talk more of, of, of uh, ontological argument as we get there. The teleological argument, or the design argument, uh, the universe has a design. And uh, if the universe looks designed, chances are highly likely that it is designed. And kind of going back to that illustration my dad always used, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, swims like a duck, and flies like a duck, chances are highly likely it's a duck. <laughs> And so there's the moral argument. We'll, we'll hit on this now. We've actually did a po- we actually had a podcast with uh, the master blaster of moral apologetics and Dave with Dave Baggett 
uh, I think last season, if I'm not mistaken. But we're just going to hit the highlights on the uh, moral argument coming up in uh, on that podcast. We're also going to dive into some an issue that I don't think is given enough coverage in today's time, and that's the argument from the inner witness and experience. We're also going to talk about the argument for miracles, which we'll talk about miracles as we go through our podcast as well. But going back to the inner witness and experience, I think that there has, I think that in our intellectualism, I mean, we need to be intellectual Christians, but in our intellectualisms, in, in, in our intellectualism, I think we've been too quick and too hasty to throw out the whole aspect of. Recording um, in progress. Oh, did we lose? I think we had a glitch there. Are we back? Yeah, I'm here. I just texted you. Something <laughs> happened. <laughs> Not sure. It's been that kind of night, folks. I'm just telling you, it has been that kind of night. Zoom has not been friendly to us tonight. But uh, in our intellectualism, I think we uh, often try to toss away experience. And, uh, and that's that's not a good thing, I don't believe, because experiences are, are important. Uh, there is... Um, there's a reason. There's a reason why Jesus performed miracles uh, in front of the disciples of John. He performed miracles, and then he said to John, "Go and tell them the things that you see and hear." Um, there's a reason why the resurrected Jesus appeared to and had experiences with the women at the tomb that first fateful Easter morning, and with those who saw him afterward. Those experiences mattered. And our experiences, the encounters we have with God, the relationship we have with God, the change we experience in our walk with God is very important. And I think it's important that we share our stories with other people. And there's a great power in that. So uh, we'll talk about that as we get to that podcast, talking about the argument from inner witness and experience. Miracles, we'll hit on that a little bit. And then we're even going to talk a little bit about, um, I believe we have on tap for Season 6, if not Season 6, Season 7, but the whole aspect of asking the question, does God still communicate with us today? We're going to say He does, but but with some nuances and with uh, just a few few explanations uh as we go along there so uh we've got some great stuff coming ahead folks as we close out season six yeah you know when you when you talked about the the experiential part of it my mind went to two stories one the woman at the well and two the the uh demoniac at the 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 garazines um yeah where jesus told them go he, the, the the demoniac the man that was saved that had a, demons cast out of him he told him he wanted to go with jesus and he said no go go back to your community and tell them what what has been done for you absolutely Show them powerful stuff so our, our testimonies matter the experiences we have with god and with christ through the holy spirit they do matter now should these experiences um should they should they bombard the the logical knowledge we know about God, the revelation He gives us in His Word? Well, no. I mean, there's there's responsibility that that must come in all things, 
But at the same time, don't throw out these experiences. Don't throw out our testimonies. Because quite frankly, a lot of people may listen to your story a lot quicker than they do the the logical inferences we give uh, for the intellectual side of the faith. True. Yep. Yep. Well, there you have it, folks. We here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind and becomes a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christie podcast. Until next time, Brian and I say so. So, John, friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christie Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christie Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christie Ministries, go to bellatorchristie.com. If you enjoy the Bellator Christie podcast, why not join us for the live taping of the show? This show is recorded every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And to catch the live show, consider going over to youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. We hope to see you there.